Hello and welcome to the Locked On Canucks Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm Justin Morissette, and this is your Locked On Canucks for the evening of Monday, March the 9th, the day after the Canucks drop a 2-1 decision at home to the Columbus Blue Jackets, a very demoralizing game, uh, a dispirited effort, uh, a, a dampening result. Uh, all these bad D words that I can cook up, uh, they all apply. It was not a good one. Uh, but today's episode of the show is a fun one. Uh, I am joined by Danny Huntley, who is the latest uh, inductee or the latest uh, fellow uh, chosen for the Botchford Project. She had her day at Rogers Arena on Sunday, joins me to talk all about it. And uh, you know what? I got nothing else to say right now. So uh, without further delay, let's dive right into it. Here's today's interview. Welcoming Danny Huntley to Locked on Canucks. My guest today is a blogger whose work you can find covering the Canucks on post-game duties over at Canucks Army. You can find her stuff at Canuck crux as well uh danielle huntley who made her uh, big foray into the canuck blogosphere this season making her locked on canucks debut danielle uh thank you so much for doing this we we finally made this happen thanks so much for having me on uh, I'm a little bit choked, I have to say, because you made your uh, career broadcasting debut this past weekend, uh, hopping on the TSN 1040 airwaves with uh, J.D. Burke and Andrew Wadden on Rink Wide on Saturday. And you said that you've never done a podcast before. You went straight to radio. And I got to say, Danny, I'm a little bit bummed out because, look, we've been trying to make this work for a good month or so. I, I feel like uh, I've been pushing hard here to get the big debut, and I missed it by two days. Yes, we've been trying for so long, but you still are my very first podcast. All right. Well, you'll never forget that, I guess, uh, as That's you right. head on down uh, through the years with an illustrious Canucks media career. Fingers crossed here. You were the uh, latest choice, uh, the latest selection, the latest fellow, I should say, in the Botchford Project this past week, uh, Danielle. But before we get to that, and I do want to hear all about uh, the the day that was for you on Sunday, covering the team during a, a kind of a critical moment in terms of media coverage with uh, the reaction to uh, coronavirus and them shutting down the locker room. You know, you, you get press access on the one day that the press gets no access, essentially. We'll get to that in just a second. I want to start with the beginning uh, for you because uh, you are new on the scene this year, but I do feel like it's a, it's a very compelling story, uh, an inspiration, some might say, uh, how you got to where you are right now, and it seems like it's come together pretty quickly for you. But, uh, you know, you made a point at the beginning of this season to try and start covering the team online uh, simply because there were no women, basically, in Canucks media circles, or hardly any anyways. There are a handful, uh, but, you know, you kind of took that on yourself to to jump into the fray and do something to change that. Is that uh, is that fair to say? Yeah, that's exactly right. I, I, it always really bothered me because Vancouver is such a diverse city, and, there, yeah, there isn't very many women in the media that cover the team. So I just thought, instead of complaining, why not try it and see how it goes. And how has it gone for you so far, would you say? It's been a wonderful experience. I, I didn't really have any expectations going into it, and I just started my post games and writing, and then Jackson from Connect Army contacted me and asked if I would go cover some post games for them, and that has been an awesome experience, and I've learned so much from him. It, it, it is a very male-dominated space, not just... Uh 
uh, hockey media, but kind of hockey Twitter as well. Uh, but it seems like, from what I can tell, everybody's been super welcoming to you uh, as you've made this move. Has there been, uh, you know, any any uh, toxic masculinity that you've had to deal with in your Twitter mentions, or has it been mostly a pretty positive experience for you all around? Mostly it's been a pretty positive experience. There is a few DMs that do come in and stuff like that, but I just usually ignore them. Well, because uh, most of it is positive. <laughs> I am glad to hear that. And and I knew that you would succeed, basically, right, from uh, reading your first uh, posts, because you do the work, you know. You you do uh, a lot of the, the work that, uh, you know, a lot of writers don't. You dive into the uh, analytics. There's, you know, the charts and graphs and numbers are all present uh, in your writing. And, uh, you know, personally, my favorite part of it is, uh, is how many GIFs and videos you create over the course of covering a game as well. Was that something that, uh, you know, you enjoy doing, like making gifts and whatnot? Because I'll be honest, I am of like a, a generation just ahead of the class of, of, you know, Twitter personalities where it seems like you have to do that sort of thing now. It seems like a very daunting task for me to wrap my head around of like gifting the games and all that sort of thing. But uh, it, was that something that you enjoy or is it just that's part of the package? That's what you have to do. You have to, you know, basically uh, be, be unignorable and, and cover the games in every single possible way uh, to make an impact in the media these days. Yeah, it's something I I didn't intend on doing actually when I got started, but I felt like I should probably definitely include those in my post games and might might as well post them on Twitter from there. So I just taught myself how to do it because yeah, I'm 30, so I'm a bit older. And oh. didn't, yeah. <laughs> I, I'm sorry that I just talked to you like uh, I figured you were in your early 20s because it seems like so many of the uh, the Botchford Project people are. Well, my my apologies. I'm sorry about no, that. No, no worries. Everyone, everyone thinks that even on the Botchford Project day when I sat down with Travis Green, he asked me what school I went to and I said, oh no, I'm 30. <laughs> and he started laughing. Uh, well, how did you force yourself to do that then? Because especially, and we've been spoiled, I think, especially uh, in terms of analytics in this city, like the number of people who've gone on uh, to work for NHL teams just out of Canucks Army is staggering. But even before that started to happen, when, you know, Tom in his early stages and, and a guy like Cam Sharon, who obviously uh, is now working for the Maple Leafs, I think is still with the Maple Leafs anyways, uh, like those guys really you know, put those graphs and stats and number charts out there, but then also did the work of writing to explain exactly what those things meant. Are, were you kind of influenced by that work uh, when you were kind of reading the blogs in your formative fan years and that's just been a part of hockey coverage to you growing up? Or was that something that you really needed to throw yourself at to, to get a better understanding of? It was something I always read it in the work I read. I, I do enjoy analytics. And for my job, I do a lot of charts and numbers. So it's something I just enjoy and I'm decent at. So when I started blogging, it's something I knew I wanted to definitely include in my pieces. It seems like... Uh you know uh, the the pravis or and the athletes may have had a, a hand in in your you know your style as well uh just from how many gifts and videos you incorporate and obviously uh there's no better way to illustrate exactly what you're talking about in a piece like that when you're trying to break down play than showing video of exactly what you're talking about but I do feel like, as we circle back towards the Botchford project now, that Botch kind of was on 
the cutting edge of making that happen, of, of, of being able to show you and not just tell you as well. Uh, you know, how big of an influence has he been for you, uh, even if you maybe didn't necessarily have a personal relationship with him while he was still with us? Yeah, I didn't have a personal relationship with him, but I did read all of his work. I was a huge fan of his. Every time he dropped an article, it was something you had to read, couldn't miss it. And another thing about him that I always really admired is how he did include women in his work, whether it be with like Georgia Twist and her art or giving shout outs to people on Twitter. He always did include a lot of women and that meant a lot to me. It's just kind of, uh, you know, reflecting the, the overall community of Canucks Twitter, which there are a lot of women in Canucks Twitter. They 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 don't necessarily take that step to, uh, you know, starting podcasts or, or blogging. All of them necessarily, but uh, is do you feel pressure uh, to being one of the few women in spaces like this? Is there you know uh, additional uh, pressure? I, it's a stressful thing stepping into the locker room, no matter what I think, as you probably learned doing that yesterday with the Botchford Project. But uh, knowing that uh, you know you you are representational of uh of you know uh, a larger chunk of the community and you know have such a that has such a uh a shamefully small presence in the media i will say uh is is there added pressure in that or is it just you know you're 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 just a person and don't really think of yourself in those terms yeah i i do just think of myself as a person i not i don't try to think too much about it just do my best i can right now just starting out too I didn't want to put any like expectations on myself yeah. just because I had no idea where this could go. But as I have been going on, I got, I've been a lot more confident and I do take pride in being a female blogger. Oh, well, that, that, I'm, that's very nice. That was kind of a weird question. I don't know where I was going with that necessarily. <laughs> no, that's but, all right. <laughs> uh, but uh, let's talk about your day uh, around the team yesterday because you were there on Sunday uh, during the uh, Columbus Blue Jackets home game, which obviously was not the greatest game to cover, unfortunately. A 2-1 defeat uh, where the team really didn't look like they had much going all night long, save for after Pedersen scored midway through the third period to make things interesting in the end, but uh, while the game might not have been very interesting, uh, kind of a lot of interest off the ice yesterday, at least in terms of media relations, and maybe fans don't necessarily care about this, maybe this is something that uh, we in the press have kind of built up bigger than it is, but obviously leagues uh, around the the globe, not just uh, the NHL reacting to the ongoing uh, coronavirus crisis, and last night uh, they made the step to not make the players available in the locker room. They did not open up the rooms to press at all in the evening, Rooms were open in the day, though, uh, I do believe, and you kind of got to to hang out and be a part of that? Yeah, that was really cool. In the morning, after the morning skate, they did have the locker rooms open, and actually when the media walked into the room, Horvath made a joke and said, I thought you guys were quarantined. So (laughs) everyone had a good laugh at that, and a lot of the questions they asked the hockey players did revolve around the coronavirus and what they thought about it. It's, that was the hot topic of the morning. Seems like uh, maybe not the the smartest guys to be asking those questions to, though. I would imagine. Uh, no, no disrespect to the the hockey players of our fair city, but uh, I don't know how much they can really tell us about uh, about COVID nineteen necessarily. Uh, uh, more so than you know, uh, medical professionals and and so on, etc. Yeah, it was making me laugh. I 
someone asked JT Miller about it, and he and he's like, "I'm not doing anything differently," and that made me laugh too. Uh, yeah, not do, not doing anything differently other than uh, no longer speaking to the media in the rooms after the fact because, of course, it's it's the press that will infect that uh, that area. You cannot trust the darn dirty media getting their <laughs> grubby mitts all over everything. It's true. <laughs> <laughs> well, what was the experience like for you overall? How did the day go for you? It was an awesome experience, something I'll never forget for sure. Right from the morning, I met with Ryan Beach, and he took me around at the arena when it was pretty empty. It was really cool to see. And then we went to the morning skate, which was cool to take in. And then after that, we went into the locker room, and then we went and sat in on Travis Green's press conference. And then I actually got to talk to Travis Green one-on-one and ask him a couple questions, which was really cool. Well, media tends to uh, shape Travis as just this very intimidating figure. Like when you listen to uh, the Van Cast and, and Drancer and, and J-Pad are talking about Travis's general demeanor, you know, uh, Tom is very upfront about the fact that, you know, even as a guy who's worked for an NHL club and is returning to the media from the PR side, he's still like kind of scared of Travis Green. And I know, uh, you know, a number of people that I work with in the Sportsnet building here uh, feel a similar way about just being very intimidated by Travis. You're on your first day in there uh, and you get to go into his office for a one-on-one sit down. Uh, is Travis Green as intimidating as he has been made out to be? How did you feel sitting down for that chat? I was so nervous walking in because no one was coming with me. And I was like, oh, it's just me. No one's behind me. So I <laughs> walked in kind of and it's, sat down at his desk. It's like the press version of the solo skate in warm-up, basically. Yeah. So yeah, I go sit down at his desk and he was super welcoming, shook my hand, asked me how I was doing. And yeah, answered my questions really thoughtfully as well. What'd you guys talk about, if you don't mind me asking? Or yeah, do we I, talked. Or do we I have to wait it. for the article? <laughs> oh, we, I'll just give you a sneak peek. We we talked about uh, Jake Bertanen a bit and what the things he's doing good this year and also some stuff he can improve on as well. Oh, so he, he gave you some dirt, did he? A little bit of, uh, little bit of negativity to sneak into the media. <laughs> yeah, it, it wasn't too bad, but yeah, he did give me some stuff he can definitely improve on in, the, in his defensive zone. <laughs> I would imagine <laughs> Travis has a much longer list of things he can improve on than, uh, than what he gave you, if I had oh, to guess. I, I'm sure he could have. <laughs> <laughs> I was surprised he honestly gave me as thoughtful of, of an answer as he did. Uh, <laughs> a bit of a letdown game, though, probably, to be the one that you are in the box covering. It, it really, I, I had people calling in uh, to 6.50 today. I was working a fill-in producer shift on Reach Deep, and we had callers being like, oh, you know, uh, they, they dropped a game that they deserved to win. I really don't feel that way at all. Uh, you know, personally, as, as someone who is a studio producer for the broadcast, it's my job to clip highlights of the games as they are happening. I cut one highlight from the entire first period. 20 minutes went by, and the only thing that happened was that Jake Vertanen got a shot off and Merzlikens gave him his own rebound right back. That's the only thing that happened in 20 minutes. Uh, it was not an inspiring effort. Uh, did it feel as, as dreadful uh, to watch in the press box as it did on TV at home? 
Yeah, it was a very lackluster performance to watch in the press box as well. It was I felt very disappointing their effort, especially the way they came out in the third period in the first five, ten minutes, they were just flat and let Columbus take over completely yeah uh not not the greatest game but but some interest in the post game as we've been alluding to uh no open rooms no scrums uh nothing like that they brought the players out one by one uh out onto the podiums for post game press availability you were in the room danny i would imagine uh did you wind up asking any of your uh, questions during that uh, availability period no, I didn't ask any questions then. It was a very different format for the media with the players individually coming up to the podium and then they're shouting out questions from their seats. So, yeah, I just kind of took it all in and watched the media do it and they seemed to not be too happy with how the, thing, how the way it was handled with just the players at the podium and no one-on-one access. There, there was like a sour mood around the press, like you could feel it in the room that nobody was particularly thrilled that this was happening? Yes, definitely. Wow, really? Because I got to say, uh, maybe it's my own personal bias showing as a radio producer, but I actually really enjoyed it. Uh, it felt more like playoffs, you know, like this is how post game is done when you get deep into the playoffs it's you know more players sitting at the table than one at a time obviously but you know even in basketball postseason pressers it had that kind of vibe to it and as we go down the stretch here like I actually think that's kind of fun to have more of a playoffy vibe I understand that's not the reason that they're doing it at all uh, and also as a radio producer you know it's a lot cleaner and better audio to be playing on the radio uh, than than the scrum audio I will say that as well I really liked it personally but I guess I can see the argument that uh, you're not getting any exclusives you're not able to uh, you know hang around and, and talk with guys one-on-one to get some some dirt for for the articles that you're writing and and you know all that kind of stuff but uh, broadcast wise it played a lot cleaner I kind of appreciated that yeah. I, I didn't hear it on the broadcast. I just heard it in person, but it was definitely a really interesting thing to be a part of just seeing like how they no, normally do it in the locker room versus how they have to do it now. It was a cool thing to experience firsthand. Uh, I'm glad you had a good time uh, over the course of the day uh, and, and that Travis Green gave you some exclusive dirt. I look forward to reading about it uh, when the article eventually comes out through the Botchford Project. But uh, Danny, before we wrap up, uh, let me get some of your personal opinions here. You know, I'm talking about your experience uh, going through the Botchford Project and covering the game and, and entering the Canucks blogosphere. You don't get into the blogosphere if you don't have any takes. So give me the straight goods here, Danny Huntley. Is this team going to make the playoffs or not? I don't think they're going to make the playoffs. And uh, are, are you are you upset about that or is that just uh, that's the way she goes? I think that's the way it's going to go this year. They're not very strong defensively at all. And without Markstrom right now, I just don't see them getting it done. I personally am mostly in agreement with you, I think, because a couple weeks ago I hopped on this very show and said that these injuries are going to be a good thing. It will force them to confront their weaknesses, and they will get these players back and be stronger for having gone through this. 
which was a nice sentiment, and I don't necessarily think I was entirely wrong because I do feel like on some level their process has improved. Like they are trying to play tighter defensively than they were in front of Markstrom. It's just not necessarily working. Like I don't think they can do it even if they're focusing on it, which is an indicator of just, you know, larger structural flaws than just missing one guy, right? Like if they can't do this without Markstrom, then they probably weren't going to do it with him as far as going any sort of distance in the postseason, I think, probably. I agree 100%. Yeah, I just don't see them getting it done this year. Uh, it's, been... it's probably for the best, to be honest with you as well. Why is that? Can you expand on that? I think that this team would be better off if Jim Benning was fired in the offseason. Oh! Oh, Danny, I'm so glad to hear you say that. Thank you so much, because I agree 100%. I could not agree strongly, uh, more strongly with you on that, because uh, I will say after they had that uh, collapsing loss against Arizona last week, I jumped on my Twitter and said, uh, I'm choosing to see the positive in this, even if I can't tell you what that is. And so many people took that as an invitation to jump into my mentions and tell me what the positive is. I know what the positive is. I just can't tell you right now because, you know, some people might not appreciate it if I hop on Twitter and say that Jim Benning and John Weisbrod need to be fired for this team to take a step forward. It is, you know, not necessarily a couth, I guess. Uh, assuming that's the opposite of uncouth, which I think it is, uh, to uh, to call for people's dismissals here uh, as a member of the media. But I want to so badly because I fully agree. Like, I, I can have respect for a number of good things that Jim Benning has done, especially in the last year. Like, I really think his, his process, even if he's made some boneheaded bets and, and, and you know, mistakes still, even in the last year, the good moves uh, that you can attribute to his tenure outside of draft picks have largely come in the last, I think, 12 to 14 months or so. But And it, and there is a foundation for a team that can be a winner here in this city that his staff definitely deserves credit for. I just don't believe that this is the guy who's going to put this team over the top. And I don't want them to make the playoffs if it's just going to cement his job security for the next however long. So thank you for saying that. I very much appreciate it. Anytime. And I think they should keep Judd Brackett as well. <laughs> I think I think everyone is right there with you on that. Yes. Uh, <laughs> before I let you go, though, Danny, one last thing to address, because uh, I hate to out your uh, shameful secret, perhaps, but uh, I try to be very public with my fandom, and therefore I'm going to drag yours out into the light here as well. You are not just a Canucks fan. We have more in common than that, you and I. You are a fan of the one true sport. You love the business, Danny Huntley. You are a professional wrestling fan, are you not? I love professional wrestling. That's right. <laughs> uh, have, have you been like a, a, a fan for for life, or since you were in high school, or so? Like, what's your what's your origins uh, with with pro wrestling? I used to watch it as a kid. I wasn't actually allowed to watch it in my own house, especially how they depicted women back in the nineties. <laughs> Probably a good call on behalf of your parents. I have to applaud. Right. So I would actually go to my neighbor's house, whose name is Matt Hardy. No joke. Oh That's wow. And I'd watch wrestling there, and I loved Lita growing up. Lita was my very favorite. And you've stuck with it over the years, or was there a long gap and you were eventually lured back? 
There was a long gap, and about four years ago, I got lured back in, and I just watched WrestleMania, and I was like, all right, I'm back in. I've often told people that, like, all you need to do is find one rooting interest. Like, just, just find one wrestler that your heart latches onto, and you are just sucked right back in. Was there one person that won you back over, or was it just the spectacle of the show in general? It was... It was the spectacle of the show in general. I was like, I just loved it. And then I started watching NXT, and it was Sasha Banks and Bailey. Yes, that's what really, really solidified my obsession now with women's wrestling. <laughs> awesome. Well, uh, I don't want to bore the people who tuned in for Canucks talk here too badly, <laughs> but maybe we can continue this conversation down the line uh, on an episode of Wrestle Central on Sportsnet 650 at some point. Sounds great. All right, uh, Danny, before we wrap up, where can people find your stuff? I want to let you uh, plug your work before we uh, we call it a day here. All right, you guys can find me on Canucks Army covering post games and on my blog at CanucksCrux.com. And I strongly recommend that you do. Very much uh, worthwhile coverage, uh, great perspective, great context on everything as well. And like I said, I very much enjoy and appreciate that you do the work to put uh, that analytics stuff in there as well because, um, uh, you know, it makes it makes it so that I can trust what you're saying. Your takes are backed up. All the evidence is right there. You do a fantastic job, Danny. Uh, keep up the great work. Thank you. Thank you. There it is. That is your Locked On Canucks for the day. Coming to you late in the evening on Monday, which means it's a fast turnaround. I got another one coming your way tomorrow afternoon ahead of Tuesday's action at Rogers Arena. The Canucks playing host to the New York Islanders before they wrap up this homestand that uh, has not gone the way they or the fans would like. It's been a bad one. Uh, I would say it's safe to say. I, I will actually be with you with regular episodes this week. Uh, I had dental surgery midway through the week last week, which made things uh, difficult for me to speak, and uh, and then just uh, all kinds of technical difficulties at work after that, putting out fires that threw off my schedule, threw off my sleep schedule as well uh, for the week after that. So my apologies that it's been a little while since you heard from me, but uh, I'm going to try and get five episodes out this week, all during weekdays as as well. Fingers crossed I can make that happen. In the meantime, if you want to head on over and throw me a review on the Apple Podcasts app, I would greatly appreciate that. Helps the show out. Helps people find out about the show. You can, of course, tell people about the show as well if you are a regular listener and enjoy the program. Uh, until tomorrow, however, I have been and will continue to be Justin Morissette, and you've been locked in on Locked On Canucks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network.